0: Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm the bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Joining me once again is the glorious League Freak, who you can find on Twitter at League Freak. How are you, mate? I'm really good. Um, It's been a while since we've done a normal podcast. Feels like it's been a week and a half. Yeah, yeah. It has been less than that, but uh, we've been in recovery. I was gonna say we've been in recovery mode since that four-hour epic that we did on Friday last week. I know that was good fun too. hey? Oh yeah,
1: those live shows are fantastic. Yeah, it was weird because that, that four hours we did it seemed to go so much quicker than what like the previous one went. And we only did like a we did the half of the game and then talked after the game. But the two games back to back, I think it was because they were really exciting games and just had a lot to talk about in them. So yeah, it was interesting.
0: Yeah, no, it was fantastic. Um, something else that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Segway. Ooh. Um, coaching at the moment. Yeah. Who'd be a coach? Um, so at the moment we've got. Obviously, we've got a big story at the Titans, but we're going to look at something different first. We'll get to the Titans later, mm-hmm. and that is the issue with Paul McGregor at the
1: Dragons. Yeah. Um, they had that terrible loss on the weekend. They've had this second half of the season has been absolutely atrocious for them. And it just seems like it's time for him to go. And it's really weird because they only just signed him, like re-signed him to a contract extension. And basically, as soon as they signed him to that contract extension, the team just died in the ass. And they've been struggling to beat absolutely anyone ever since. It's really strange. Yeah, I've I've never seen a coach who's got such
0: polar opposite stats when it comes to each half of the season um so from rounds one to 13 in his coaching career the dragons have won 59.68 percent of their games Mm -hmm. and in the last 13 games of the year
1: they've won 39 percent that's crazy like that that just like reinforces that thing about the dragons that their march premiers. You know, yeah. they look great at the start of a season, but they come into the end of the season and they're just they're gone.
0: I don't know why or how, but he just he gets them firing at the start of the year, but he cannot keep that momentum going past round 13.
1: Yeah, well, remember at the start of this year, and, and they looked really, really good. And I was talking about them being like a bit of a smoky this season. They were playing so well that they, they have a fantastic lineup. They've got a lot of great players in their team. But we were talking about it on the podcast that their style of play was going to not only bash opponents out of their game, but it was going to wear them down. And I wonder if that's just maybe this season it's been more dramatic because he has such a good team at his disposal that you saw them at their best. And now you're seeing them really just worn down from their style of play. I wonder if that's what it is. I don't know. The, the one thing that's faltering for them
0: big time is obviously their defense. Because mm. right now they've got the worst defense in the comp,
1: which is crazy. And like yeah. any, and you look at some of the bad teams. I mean, the bull. I, I always line teams up against the bulldogs because the bulldogs have so many players that probably aren't first graders in their team. And for them to to have teams that are worse than them in defense is absolutely atrocious. Exactly, and yeah, you know, the Bulldogs have got plenty
0: of excuses for that. Mm, the dragons yeah, exactly. have no excuse for that. Dragons should be a team in the top eight mhm you know they and that's the problem with them too.
1: They don't look like they're getting better, they look like they're getting further away from their next win, not closer to it, yeah, that's true, and look there's there's only two teams in the competition that can say they have origin halves. One of them's the Penrith Panthers, who are just steamrolling everyone right now, and the other one's the Dragons. <laughs> and, like, it's it's weird because Ben Hunt is a halfback that is always putting effort in, like 100% of the time. Even in a, a well-beaten side, you can say, well, Ben Hunt really tried his, his ass off today. Um, Corey Norman can go missing in those sorts of performances, but they're just getting beaten. I mean, last weekend they were beaten in every single facet of the game. Like there wasn't one area where they looked like, like, like they got beaten by a 12 man Canberra side and the 12 man Canberra side started whipping their ass with 12
0: players. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the biggest worry is fair enough. Teams can lose to Canberra and get a score put on. Canberra's got that ability in them to rack up a cricket score on, on a team on their day. Mm-hmm. But to have Canberra scoring points against you for, what was it, half an hour
1: mm. where they were down to 12 men
0: and they're yeah. still putting points on?
1: That was a weird. It was a point in the game too where you were like, oh, here we go. There's 12 men down, right? They've got Crocker still on the field, so that's like defending with 11 men. And I thought, you know, this is it for the Dragons, and they just got smashed. It was really, really strange. And it's it, when you lose like that, it's time for the coach to go.
0: Yeah, it's it's unforgivable. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how you can, you know, I even look at teams who are above them on the ladder. Mm-hmm. Like the Tigers is a classic example who don't have the same quality of players that the Dragons have got at their disposal. Yeah. And they've been they've had a few scores put on this year. They're still yeah. winning more games and they've still got better defence than the Dragons. That's what's
1: that's what's crazy. Yeah, well, look at the... I mean, if they've got the worst offensive record in the comp. That means the Titans are playing better than them. And the Titans are terrible. Look at this. The the Titans have scored 266
0: points this year, okay? Yeah. Um, Dragons have only scored 21 points more than them. Wow. They've conceded and the, 365
1: points to Dragons this year. And, in and comparison,
0: this... the best offensive teams in Melbourne, they've conceded 199
1: Far out. And that's like a Titan side who this season is proving they can't score points. Yeah. Like, they're, they're one of the worst teams I've ever seen at just having games where they're not going to score points.
0: It's it's baffling how you're getting the worst. Yeah, I remember a few years, it might have been two years ago, the Dragons were widely ridiculed for not being able to score points, but they still had that ability to ground out wins. Mm. It's kind of like you know the sharks for a long time under Flanagan, you'd see them have the worst attack in the comp, but they'd be getting 12, ten wins and twelve, eight wins and stuff like that, and they'd always get into the finals just on that gritty nature of them. But this year, more than anything else, the dragons are not scoring points, and they' have locked they've lost all that gritty ability about them
1: yeah, They're and just... it's weird, it's weird because if you if you said, okay, I'm going give you I'm, we're going to start a team from scratch." I'm going to give you Paul Vaughan and James Graham up front. You're going to have Sims and Frizzell in your back row. I'll give you Hunt and Norman in the halves. You'd be like, wow, I'm off to a start that's going to be pretty hard to stuff up from here. Yeah. And, like, it's not like they don't have a good team. Like, I look at this team and I think they're, they're a top six talent-wise team without question. Yeah, without question. It, like, I would take their, them on pure talent over the Canberra Raiders every day of the week. Every yes. day of the week. Absolutely. And And it was just chalk and cheese on the weekend. It was like the Canberra Raiders were playing a reserve grade team. It's,
0: and this is the thing, I've I've said this before about the Titans, and I've said it about a few other clubs, and that is, when you play against the Dragons, you you either get a one-dimensional attack mm. or they don't know what they're doing in attack. Yeah. And that's pretty much where they are right now. You can either predict it or just defend against it so damn easily because they don't know what they're doing. And how do they get so rudderless in attack when you've got got two origin players in the halves? It just baffles me how they can be so bad despite the amount of quality players that they've got on their side. Even Penrith, who started the year like shit, managed to find a way to... You know, put their head down, bust their fucking asses, and turn their shit around, and now they're in the top eight. The Dragons just aren't doing that at all.
1: Yeah, and they that like they were in a really good spot early in the year, and like you just kind of thought that they it, they were just going to be a finals team. They looked like one. There were games where there were a few games there where they just bashed the opposition out of the game, and I loved watching them play. Yeah. But yeah, they've just they're they're hopeless right now. Like, they might be the worst performing team in the competition. And that's saying something, because there's some bloody terrible teams playing right now. And the weird thing is, the the teams that are playing the worst in the competition right now are not the teams with the worst lineups or the worst players. So it's really weird. I The other thing about the Dragons is, because they've only just signed... I mean, this is kind of like with Des Hasler at the Bulldogs, where... They re-signed him to a, a contract extension, and before that contract extension even kicked in, they sacked him. And so I can't see how this won't cost the Dragons a lot of money. And because they're a privately owned club, I mean, that's going to be reaching into the, the owner's pocket. He's going to have to pay them out. And straight away, you've just got to look at the person that advised you to re-sign McGregor to a long-term deal and fire them immediately. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: the fact is, okay, the, the Bulldogs, they've won four of their last 10 games. All right, the Titans. The Titans have won two of their last 10 games, and they're last on the ladder. The Dragons are the only other side in the con to have won two of their last 10 games.
1: Mm. And And As... those games, one of them was against the Bulldogs, and the Bulldogs... Gave him a bit of a run. I know the scoreline doesn't look like it, but they gave him a bit of a run early on. And the other one was against a Cowboys team that just dropped an egg on the day. Like, I actually tipped the Cowboys, I'm pretty sure, in that game. And it was just one of those games where, for whatever reason, the Cowboys didn't turn up. And that's not like the Cowboys to do that. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's they're terrible. They're absolutely terrible. And it's just time for McGregor to go. Uh, I and and so, like they like promoting coaches from within, which I think is part of the problem that's always been at the Dragons for a very very long time. Um. So and we'll probably talk about some of the coaches that are available as we we've got uh, the Titans to talk about. But yeah, it's just time for McGregor. He's 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 had a big enough sample size. He's coached them for 129 games. And they've won forty eight percent of their games. That's terrible.
0: I think any time, at any time in a season, that you can be out coached by Stephen Kearney, who has the lesser <laughs> squad, yeah. that's your measuring stick. If he's yeah. if he's lapping you, because he is, um, that's a pretty big sign. That is right there. Yeah. Uh, I don't buy this. I don't buy this crap where the players lost, uh, the coaches lost the players or he's lost the dressing room and stuff like that. Um, I don't I don't think players these days are that petulant. No. Sure, it may have an impact, but I don't think that they're going to be that petulant. I mean, even when there was all that talk about Griffin having lost the, the Panthers players' dressing room last year, mm. Panthers were still winning games.
1: Yeah, and see, yeah.
0: That's just to me that the players the players aren't going to play like crap just to get a coach sacked because Mm -hmm. the player's career is on the bloody line as well. If he's going to stand up and play crap just to get rid of a coach, then if his contract's up for renewal, he may get offered a a lesser contract if he gets offered one at all. So they're not going to go and do shit like that and ruin their own reputation just to make life easy for themselves with a new coach.
1: That's just nonsense. I agree. And look, I think the days of um when you would have players and and the coach, now you've got coaches, but the coach um hanging out socially are long, long gone. Uh there's a there's a big disconnect and the coach is more like part of the administration almost. Um so I don't think there's that that interpersonal relationship that might have broken down for other reasons, I don't think is going to break down the same way these days. I I can see where players would switch off from a coach if they if a coach that they're under is completely like they just know he can't do the job like they yeah. know he's not good enough but that's different to I just don't like this guy so I'm not going to play well and, and as you say that like there was the reports that and we've said this before in the podcast like a coach don't like a coach who cares as long as you're winning games I don't care if you think he is the worst person in the world he's if he's coaching you well that's all that matters um but there must be times where because these are professional players there must be times where they they find themselves under the direction of a coach who they just know is either I don't know if doesn't know what he's talking about isn't the right way to put it but he's maybe just he's not a first grade coach and they know it yeah which i guess kind of leads nicely
0: into the titans and mm-hmm. their um
1: situation there with Garth Brennan, yeah um, uh, so we, re- we, we called this game, this was part of our marathon. We did, and it we what well, by the time we got to the end of it, we basically were both in agreement that that was it for brennan, and forty eight hours later he was gone, yeah,
0: um so there was all this talk of this review by Malman Inga into the club, and mostly about the club's operations, not so much about its performance on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't really come up with any recommendations about, you know, what to do with the coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the club CEO, uh, Dennis Watt, uh, he he revealed that that the club had decided had agreed to part ways with with um, Brennan mm-hmm. after he'd won just twelve out of forty games at the club there, and then he was sitting dead last on the ladder. Um, in regards to who will replace him, I'll just mention this quote from Watt. What she said today, early. he says, clearly we're looking for a strong leader with a track record of success who is going to have high personal standards and uphold standards throughout the organisation. Which that's what they should be chasing. That's what they should have been chasing since they got rid of Clear uh, Cartwright, really. Yep. yep. Um, and then some of the names that have been linked there. Okay, we've had we had Kevin Walters linked there, and he came out on I think Saturday and said. He's focusing on coaching Queensland next year. He's not going to be throwing his hat in the ring, essentially. Yeah, and I think that's a smart move, although I don't know that he'll be coaching Queensland next year. I agree on both fronts. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to wait until he finds out whether he's still got the, the Queensland job next year, and he's going to probably push the QRL into confirming that or denying it because there was talk that
1: Wayne Bennett would take over next year. Yeah, which, to be honest, with Kevin, if you think about that move by Walters, bloody smart move, eh? Because That's he's right. created he's created demand for himself all of a sudden. And he goes from a position of weakness where he's just lost two State of Origin series in a row. Now it's up to the QRL to say, Oh yeah, we want you back, or no, we sacked you. Like he's put it right back on them, which is really interesting. And and you know, Kevin Walters, people underrate him as a, a smart dude. And I think it's because he's uh he's a really nice guy. But, man, yeah. he makes some good decisions, and I think that these two decisions he's made are really good ones. Well, he's essentially backed himself into a win-win situation, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is just brilliant.
0: Um, so he's still somewhat regarded as a front-runner, and even though he's downplayed his, um, you know, chances of getting a gig and not really wanting showing any interest in it, there's still talk that he's likely to get it. Um... Another person that was put forward was current St. Helens coach, Justin Holbrook. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I was saying to you off air, if I'm Justin Holbrook and I'm coaching the St. Helens side over there in England, who are like 19 wins clear of whoever's next (laughs) in the competition, (laughs) they are shitting on everyone there at the moment. It's ridiculous. Mm. You got, you get to choose between that or coaching the last place
1: Titans. You just stay in England. Yeah. You don't, you don't leave. You just, you know, you put your feet up, you're like, nah, I'm right, you know, I know you've got to live in St. Helens, that's a drawback, but you just leave in the off-season, you know, you, you soak up a summer in Australia, you make sure you do everything you can, and then you go back over there and, you know, you, you got out another, you know, eight months in St. Helens. But it's just it's a super easy gig. They keep buying good players, they keep producing good players for Super League. And, yeah, you don't leave. Ask Millwood what happens when you leave. You know, there's plenty of those great Super League coaches that either left the Super League club they were winning at and just went nowhere. And I'm thinking about Brian Noble. Um, Or there are ones that went back to Australia and they were like, oh, I'm ready to coach in the NRL and were so terribly off the pace. That they couldn't even, they weren't even assistant coaches over here. So he should just stay there, settle in. He could coach there for 10 years. He could be a superstar coach over there. They'll put plaques up about him. They'll put up bloody, you know, statues and shit. They'll talk about him for the rest of his life like he's a legend. He should never leave. I fully
0: agree. It makes no sense for him to leave that club. I'd stay there for as long as he's probably going to get paid better at St Helens,
1: too, than what the Titans are probably going to be able to dish out wage wise. Yep, and he'll be under less pressure too because the Saints fans tend to love you or hate you and they love him, and whereas in the NRL, it's like, what have you done for me lately, even if they love you.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, another another coaching option that's come forward, which is the same one that came around when Brennan first got the gig, and that was uh, Shane and Ben Walker. Yeah. Now, there's big wraps on yeah, there's big, big raps on them. And rightfully so. They've done a lot of great stuff in the in the Queensland competition. Mm-hmm. Um, something tells me, though, that I don't think the club, the Titans, are willing to have um,
1: co-coaches. No. As, and, and as
0: much as it may be in their best interest, I think they'll
1: say no to them. Has there ever been a co-coaching situation at any level that you can ever think of? Uh, yes. Yeah. It was actually
0: at the Titans two years ago before yeah. Garth Brennan got the gig and we had Craig it Craig Hodges and Terry Madison were co-coaches oh, of the really Titans good. for two games before at the end of the 2016 season was it or 2017 season man I and can't they, even remember that yeah and then um they hired Brennan in the off season well that worked out well <laughs> and, um, and so finally there's one other person that's um been named in the media Ooh, He's who? also in the running. Oh, this who is it? All I'm gonna say is episode twenty-one. Oh man. <laughs> Trent Trent Barrett mm. is also in the running. Um just Titans. No. Just no. don't do it. No. Go without a coach. It's the same if, shit. If if I could re re quote what Dennis uh, Dennis Watt had said. Mm-hmm. We're looking for a strong leader Mm -hmm. with a track record of success. Yes. Who's going to have high personal standards, not buying Bunnings
1: chairs and whinging about it afterwards. Yeah. Oh, how bad? Isn't it funny how much Trent Barrett whinged while he was there and after he was there about all of the reasons why he wasn't able to coach that side, and then fucking Des Hasler resurrects his career like he just buried it in the secret burial ground behind the burr at pet cemetery and they just start winning games in the same shit the exact same situation yeah yeah. Trent Barrett should never ever get another opportunity to coach anyone ever again because he proved himself he's terrible that right there is exactly the reason why
0: Trent Barrett is not a first grade coach the fact that Dez Hasler could come back in there and have exactly the same setup that tar- Trent Barrett had, and actually get the team to the top eight and keep them there.
1: Yeah, it, uh, it just it just that's it. And and Hasler's career was over. It was,
0: it was. I it, it baffles me how anyone thinks that Trent Barrett's going to be a first grade coach, and the only club I can see picking him up will be the Dragons because he's
1: a former St George Illawarra player.
0: And yeah, you know it, it's gonna,
1: you know it'll happen. I know, and that's the thing, and that's what I was leading towards earlier. They love promoting from within. They love their own people, and you know it's gonna happen. It's yeah. so terrible,
0: and I want to see a strong NRL competition. I like ripping on teams when they're playing bad, of course. But I also Mm -hmm. want to see teams – I want to see all teams go bad and all teams go good at some point in time Mm -hmm. because that's what makes a good competition. Yeah. I don't want to see
1: Trent Barrett coaching any NRL club. No. Because he's he's not made out for it. And, like, if you look at the NRL this year, and I feel like this year is the closest season we've ever had, right, where you can literally – you take the storm out of it And the results could just be anything. You don't know. Any team could win, right? But I feel as though the Dragons, the Titans, and the Warriors are by far and away the worst coach teams. And I think if you replace their coaching with just decent coaches, and there's some decent coaches out there, and we've talked about it. There's there's Griffin. There's uh, Jeff Tuvey, You could probably, at a stretch, go Tim Sheens. Um, There's some good coaches out there. If we just got three decent coaches at those clubs, I think it's fair to say that there would be no bad coaches in the NRL. No, I'd, I'd agree with that.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it's criminal that Griffin doesn't have an NRL coaching gig this year. And mm. I would suggest if um, if the Titans are smart, he would be the first person they go to and they say to him, what do you want and how
1: much do you need? Yeah, and what changes do you want us to make? yeah you know they, um, yeah they have gotta stop trying to shackle these coaches and try and have all this management shit around them because it just makes it harder for them to do their job, yeah, I agree, and look Griffin's got the runs on the board, I think he did very well at at Brisbane, um he did very, very, very well at Penrith uh I still as a Panthers fan, and I'm a big fan of Ivan Cleary. I still think that he should be coaching the Panthers. I think he got definitely better results than Cleary ever got. And yeah, just in a very, very easy choice. They should just, you know, ask him how much he wants, ask him what changes he wants made. Um, And I would say to him, look, we've got an issue with our club doesn't have an identity and we need somebody to come in and, and give it an identity. And I think he could do that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, Tuvi's the only other one who's going to get that mental toughness and steeliness into the club that they sorely, sorely need. Mm -hmm. For too long, they just haven't been that strong team. And, you know, the Tigers are exactly the same. And I know that the the Tigers have had a few games this year where they've they've had a few scores put on them. Mm. But
1: they don't look like the easy beats they were of the past. No, And, and look, I also think with the Tigers, there's a bit of a talent issue there. In of some in some areas, so I like, but there de- there is definitely some a steel that's there that has not been there before. Where you know, I, I think that Maguire is doing more with less for sure this year.
0: Mm, exactly, and that's that's the the gauge of a good coach. I mean, you could even argue that Dean Pay has instilled a bit of that in the Bulldogs, despite having you know bugger all head coaching experience.
1: Mm. Yeah, looks- I agree he looks like a much better coach than Garth Brennan ever has. Yeah. And like, I don't understand why Bulldog supporters have been, or not, and not all of them, but some of them have really been pushing for pay to go. And they haven't been happy with some of his selections and stuff. But when you look at what he is working with, and he's had some key injuries too, that he's had to coach around. um, What he has done is a minor miracle in my eyes. I mean, like, the coach of the year candidates, I wouldn't say he's a definite coach of the year candidate, but he's on the edge of it like if if the storm weren't running away with the competition um I would be like, well, look at what d pay's done with very little to work with uh that's a coaching job to me
0: yeah that that team should be last
1: there's no doubt yeah, about it dead last and and, and
0: comfortably last, and the mm-hmm. fact is that they're they're a win ahead of the titans mm. um and I know it sounds a bit optimistic, but there are three wins outside the eight.
1: Yeah, and the the thing is, too, like, I mean, if at the start of the year, looking at their lineup, if you had have said they'll jag two wins, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, to be not that far out of the top eight, and if you're close to being in the top eight right now you're close to like second place as well <laughs> you know you're not that yeah. far off of the front runner uh, the front runners. it's it's been a magnificent job that pay has done and i think that all bulldogs fans should just let him do his job uh because he's he's doing a great one and it's only going to get better there that's the thing. yeah it's not going to get much worse than
0: this but yeah the mm-hmm. titans are a rabble now there is one other consortium mhm that is putting toward putting out a bid to be the coach of the Titans, dare I yeah. say,
1: the most qualified one as well?
0: Uh, experienced, knowledgeable, wide ranging, a wide range ranging.
1: of skills, um, bold, yep,
0: smart, um, analytical, charismatic. Whew, absolutely. Um, all you can say is they go under the the consortium name Fluffy Hoodie Studios. Mm. Uh, so for those who uh, haven't been keeping up. With that's life. us. That's yes. us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what changes would you make at the Titans? Well I'd I'd look at I'd look at clearing
0: out some of the players they've got there. Yeah. Um and start working on essentially they need some backs and some halves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they've got some some a decent enough forward pack. They need more depth in the forwards.
1: Yep. But um, I'd I'd let Peachy go. I would try a player swap with Panthers. Hey? I'd say listen, we'll give you Peach, but we want two juniors that have yet to play first grade.
0: I'd be saying. Um... You can have Peach in return. I want Kayla Bacon's. Yep. Um. Ooh, probably Dane Laurie.
1: He'd be the one that I'd really want. And Brent Naden. Yeah, I don't think. I. You know what? They just re-signed Naden to a <sighs> a uh, deal. Yeah. So I don't. I think that they've locked him in. Did you see? How, well, you did. we were watching the game
0: together. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I, I got a huge ups on Naden. I love watching him yeah. play.
1: Yeah,
0: Back he's going just, to be a beast. He, and he 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 doesn't know how good he is yet. No, that's the thing. And so, yeah, they'd have been the ones I've gone after. Mm-hmm. Get some get some young blokes in there in the backs who are excited and keen to play. Um, laurie has got huge raps on him. I've I've heard him myself, not just from you, mate, but I've I've heard him for a while. He's he's got massive raps on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and from people who should know too. So, yeah, I'd be doing something there. Uh. They've got to fix their halves. I'd probably. I don't. I don't mind Tyrone Roberts. I think if he had a generally good seven next to him, he'd be. A, he's a pretty handy player to have there, especially if you've got a young six coming through. Yeah, yeah. I, he he I ends think... up being a really good depth six as well. When the when the young guy starts getting starts firing, like if he
1: gets injured, then you can bring Roberts in. It's a pretty safe option to have in the side. You know where he would be really good, and this can sound weird and you, I, I can understand if you dis- disagree with me, I think he would be the perfect 5.8 for Parramatta. No, I fully agree. Do you? Yeah. Because I feel like he's the sort of player that he doesn't need to have the ball, okay? But he can, if he sees things are going sideways, he's got enough experience that he he can take over. And I, I think that he'd be great at Parramatta. And I think he'd be the sort of... Play that Parramatta could probably afford, um, considering they've given so much money to Moses and and <laughs> <Gutherson> now. <laughs> like they can yeah. they need to budget some shit now. So, so uh, and look, he's he's not a um,
0: he's not a bulb. Like he goes out there with a the big mouth, demanding plays and stuff like that. He's a controlling player. You know, a, a controlled player. He's pretty calm, mm.
1: um, and he's a very consistent sort of player too. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. He, I. You know, you don't see him play bad games where it costs his team the game. Like, he might no. have a quiet game, but he doesn't have bad games. Yeah, he doesn't have powerless. Uh, yeah, that, and that's that's huge. That's huge. I think that – and we were joking when we were doing the live podcast saying that he's going to be playing the exact same way when he's 45 years old and playing in, like, Group 9 or something in the bush. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, I, I, I think if I was the Titans, I would be trying to wiggle out of Taylor's – Deal Ash Taylor's deal, yeah, because that is so much money they've invested in that young bloke, and I know he's had some off-field issues that he's been dealing with. I don't know what they are at all, but if I'm paying like close on a million bucks a year to any player, I I, I can't afford him to have off-field issues. No, 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 you, no.
0: Know? you can't afford to have a million-dollar player in a team run dead last.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. If,
0: they, if they're going to keep Taylor, then he needs to be on four hundred grand a year maximum. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You can't justify giving him the money he's got given the little amount of output you're getting from him. Um, and it's not all Taylor's fault either. You know, he's come to a, a Titans club where they've had, it's, they've had a coaching merry-go-round since he's been there.
1: He mm-hmm.
0: had Neil Henry, then he had a, two weeks where they had no one knowing what they were doing. Then he's had Garth Brennan there. You know... He's come from a, from a system that had Wayne Bennett as coach.
1: Yeah, and it's as we've said about the Titans, they play like a team that is just making it up as they go. Like they don't have direction. They don't look like they've got. They don't look like they've got a game plan where they're like, okay, we're going in and we're doing this. And we talked about this during the live broadcast that we did, where they've got two first grade hookers. You would think that that half their thing would be like let's just run out of dummy half all day because we're playing two genuine first grade starting hookers, you know, one off the bench, but like they could be carving teams up the middle. And as you said, their forward pack isn't terrible. They've got some handy players in that pack, but they just look like they throw the ball around and they're just looking for gaps in this and it just doesn't work. That's in the NRL that is going to get you killed. And it does, it gets them killed. Yeah, it's just, too much of their game
0: plan, too much of their style is guessing. Mm. And I'm reminded of um, a quote from, I think, 1998, 99. (laughs) It's from Tommy (laughs) Radonicus. Yeah. And they said to Tommy when when West were going through that horrible period there and they were getting flogged every week, and he said, what's your game plan, Tommy? He says, our game plan is we don't have a game plan because if we don't know what we're going to do, how's the opposition going to know? I will
1: never forget that. Uh he re- he said he regretted saying that too. I yeah, you would. Yeah, but that's how the Titans look at the moment. Yeah, and that West's Tigers uh, that sorry that Western Suburbs Magpies team was like a historically bad team. Like they yeah, were one um, of the worst teams of all time. It's
0: also worth noting they had possibly the worst squad any teams had for a long time. It was full of such reserve grade players because they just didn't have the money to lure anyone there, which is an issue the Titans
1: don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as we as you said uh, in the episode where we looked at the NRL player poll, the, the Gold Coast was one of the the clubs that players said they would like to go and play for. So it's not like this is a club that you know is an ugly duckling club that everyone thinks. Oh, I'm not going to play there. You know, this is a this is a team that is pre, a lot of players are keen to play for. Like it shouldn't be too hard for them to be getting marquee players there. Um and it just isn 't happening, and you've i guess and we talked about in that episode you 've got to look at the coach, you know is it the coach that players are saying yeah i don 't fancy playing under him um and you know they they need to make sure they make the right decision in this replacement because this is going to set them up for a while, and with how much money they 're going to have to pay out brennan 's contract. And then they're going to have to pay a new coach. They're going to be on the hook for a lot of money. And so they've got to make sure they make the right decision this time around.
0: Which is why we'd be a good pick. We would be. So what like, what, ch- what
1: changes would you be willing to make? Well, first thing i do, right, i I take, I take Ash Taylor to the casino, you know. And I go, Ash, don't worry about it. Just go and have fun, you know. Just, you know, just do whatever you want. Whatever you want to do, whatever you need. I'm sure there are people that can get it for you, you know, because you've got to get out from under that contract, you know. Mm. Um, so I'd find a way to do that. I would I would get rid of Peachy because you just can't carry dead weight, and he's dead weight on at that club at the moment. Um, I think the sure. thing I would do is I would look to – the thing I would do is I would look to build their forward pack, right? I would look to – because they've got the two hookers going, I would – Look to just have a really good forward pack and run off the back of the hookers. And my outside backs would... Like, my two wingers would be Fijian because I think every winger should be Fijian. They're just so good at it. It's like all wingers should be Fijian. That should be, like, the second law of the game, in my opinion. And, yeah, just fill the rest of the side with youngsters and just see how you go because you couldn't go worse.
0: No, that's true. That is absolutely true. Um yeah, they... They need some Stern talking to. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I hope they go with Griffin. Yeah, And either. I hope if they do go with Griffin that Meninga doesn't meddle too much in what he does. I think that was part yeah. of the problem that Griffin had was not so much what he was doing on the field, but I think Gus still wanted to be a bit of a coach. And I think there was a little bit of clash occasionally between them on that sort of area. And I think – if Griffin's given a bit of freedom to do his job as he sees fit much like Cleary's got a penrith there where he made that a part of his deal he said right, I'm going to have full control of this club otherwise I'm not doing it yeah that's the sort of thing that Griffin needs, he needs yeah, to have the full control
1: i feel like i feel like the difference between Gus and Meninga is i think if if Meninga sat down with Griffin and Griffin said look honestly i can't i'm not taking this role if you're here because you have ideas about rugby league. I have ideas about rugby league and they just have to be off by a few degrees and we're going in a different direction in a year and a half from now. So I just can't have you here. I think Meninga is a sort of bloke that will, would be the first to say I'll pack my stuff right now and good luck at the club, you know, and, and, and I'll be honest about the fact that like my job is done here.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I'm fairly certain Mel would be the same sort of person. Um, but yeah, that's the sort of thing they need there, though. Mm. Too many, too many clubs are trying to trying to get. Um, they they think what they're doing is helping the coach by having all these support people around them, but all they're doing is actually making their job a bit harder, because the coach doesn't have the freedom to to look at everything. He's only looking at, you know, with tunnel vision essentially the things he's allowed to look at because he said, oh, know we've got someone looking after this for you, we've got someone looking after recruitment, we've got someone looking after the juniors, blah blah blah." And it, it may sound like the coach has got it easy, but he actually. Doesn't because he's not seeing the whole picture. He's only seeing a little bit of it, and so, especially when it comes to team selections, if he's only seeing the same twenty players every week, then of course they're going to be the twenty players he's going to keep picking.
1: Yeah, and and they're going to be the ones he's comfortable with. And I, I always think that the thing about coaches is they love players that they're comfortable with. And anything that messes with that, they're obviously going to go back to the players they're comfortable with rather than, you know, trying something they don't know. Um, I think that some of these teams in the past, they've got this idea that, and there probably has been coaches, that they might be really good at coaching, but there's other areas of the game that they're not good at. But I think these days, because of the, the way that the game has gone, there's no coaches coming into the into the NRL and is thinking, well, I just, I'm just here to coach. I'm not here to worry about, like, you know, player player contracts and the junior system and all that. They they all get the deal now. And so I think the need to have somebody overseeing your coach, I just don't see any reason for it. And I think when you look at the best coach I think of all time in Craig Bellamy, he definitely doesn't have someone overseeing him. Like, he's no. the he's the guy. And I mean, I dare say that when he goes to the club owners and if he tells them what he wants and they say, yes, Mr. Bellamy, you know, Um, and I can see where, like, you might have a club that is in a bit of a bad situation and they bring a consultant in. And I think that Phil Gould, that was definitely desperately needed at Penrith for that. And I can see where Mal Meninga is being brought in at at the the, um, Titans But I think when you do get a a real coach in, a very good first grade coach, that they're the boss and there should be no other voices because it it starts and ends with them. And I think any time a player comes in to the management and says, "I I don't like the way I'm being talked to by the coach, the management should just say, look, if you don't like it, find another club because he's the boss. Fully agree. Now, there was one other comment that came out today from the Mm -hmm. Titans boss.
0: And he said, we really need to make this decision correct and we need to make sure it's right because yep. if we don't, it could be dire for the club. Mm-hmm. And the way he worded it and the way he said it, it sounded like this is almost like our last chance as a club. Like, if this if this doesn't work and we continue being a failure, we're going to be folded.
1: Yeah. Well, th- look, they're, they're privately owned now and I guess if I'm a private owner, and they, and they haven't been private. They haven't owned the club for that long. Like it's what would it be? Like what twelve at months? Most, yeah, yeah. If they're... like I would have said it at, at most, it's two years. It's definitely not longer than two years. But I think you're right. It's about twelve months. Um, if I'm the if I'm a private owner and I look at the crowds, I look at the impact that I'm making on the Gold Coast, and I don't know. I'm not on the Gold Coast, but I'm just going by the crowds. The crowds aren't great. Um, I want to see this team turn things around, start winning games, and if I'm still not getting the crowds, I start looking at, number one, playing it in Brisbane and being the second Brisbane team and taking that mantle. Um, And if not that, I mean, you've got to start looking at Perth and Adelaide. And it's a business, you know, it's an investment, and you've got to do the best thing for your investment. I don't know how much they bought the club for from the NRL, but... I do know that if I owned a club and it was losing money and that people weren't turning up, it wouldn't take too long before I think, man, I can I can turn up. I can move the club to Brisbane next weekend, still have my base here on the Gold Coast, and be guaranteed getting 20,000 just general public people that don't like the Broncos.
0: Yeah, I don't know why they don't look at playing like four games
1: in Brisbane every year right now. Yeah, it, it would make sense. And I don't think that they, you know, the only thing you you would say is that the the Gold Coast, I mean, it's such a nice stadium. It's a really really nice stadium. It is. But as you pointed out, all of the teams based on the Gold, and you told me this, and you should say it because you, I didn't know this. So you tell people. Oh, it's long been known that the Gold Coast is just a sporting
0: hoodoo. It's just people, you know, teams go there to pretty much just fail you. So. Oh, I- um, at the moment in the AFL, the Gold Coast Suns are dead last on the ladder. In the NRL, the Gold Coast Titans are dead last on the ladder. And at the end of the A-League last year, the Gold Coast team was dead last on the ladder. And yeah. I think they've also had an NBL team, which also folded, and a soccer yep. team, I think, prior to the last one, which also folded. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, and even at the moment, like with the AFL, the AFL is still pouring money into that club to keep it, solvent and keep it functioning mm-hmm. and they're still dead last mm. right. there's just something about the area it's not it's not a rugby league thing it's a sport thing sport just does not work on the gold coast there's and, it, it's hard to explain why and no one knows why i mean there's the especially with rugby league i mean the first country rugby league team in australia was on the gold coast and that was back in 1908
1: so, yeah and i mean when they brought in their the, the Uh, Gold Coast, Tweed's Head, Giants back in 88. Like, they never did anything. And then they become the Seagulls, and they never did anything. Then they become the Chargers, and they actually did okay by just making the finals. Weirdly, were the only club that ended Super League with money in the bank and actually gave some of that money to the Newcastle Knights Uh, before they were wound up. Like the company that owned the money was wound up eventually well after Super League was over. And then the Titans started, and they went okay for what? Maybe a season and a half, two seasons? I, was, I and, think it was three years, because I think they made the finals in 2010 or 2011, but that was it. Yeah, and just it just it it's very weird. I know I've been to the Gold Coast a number of times. Uh, I was there just last year. And it's very weird, because there's... You, you wouldn't know, like I, I don't even know. I know it's in Rubina, but and I've been in the, the hotels, the Hyros hotels. I can't see the stadium from the hotel, so where the fuck is it? Like it's not like it's in the in the mix of the Gold Coast. You must have to drive a fair way to get to it. Yeah. Um, so it must be. I mean, it might be one of those things where it's a bit out of the out of sight, out of mind, because there is a lot to do on the Gold Coast, and a, a big part of the people that are there are people that are on holiday, and then you get a lot of older people that get, retire to the Gold Coast. And as you say, it might just be, it's a beautiful place. I love it. You don't like it. I, I love it. I could live there. Um, Maybe it's just not a sporting place. Yeah, i it, it's got me
0: beat why it, it's constantly been failing for, you know, for all sport for decades. mm, mm. Yeah, You've got a lot of businesses that are there as well, You know, a lot of corporate money there, and yet still finances are still always a problem for these teams.
1: Yeah, and I guess in Australia, we never think of a place as being a black hole for sport, but you can't argue against the results on the Gold Coast, and yet you look at it from a resources point of view for, for rugby league, And it should be a no-brainer that a Gold Coast team, rugby league team, should be outstanding. Should be an outstanding success. There's not one reason why they should not be a very, very good club that gets a lot of support, but it just doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, maybe what they should have done, this is something they could probably look at, something for the new owners to do some lobbying with the the local government on, is build a new stadium at at, uh, Pizzi Park, which is in Miami. It's probably... I don't know, it's probably a 15, 20-minute walk from the beach.
1: Yeah, I I've, I've, I know exactly where you're talking about. Um, you know, it, it's the problem is that stadium's, like, brand new. It is, but if people
0: aren't turning up, you know, what's the point of it? It's a good
1: point. It's a really good point. I, I don't know. They built a stadium at Carrara, didn't they? They don't use that anymore. Yeah, you know what? That's the one the AFL team uses, and that was ma- had major um, upgrades to it. And I can't even imagine how many empty seats that thing has when the AFL team plays I mean, it must be ninety five percent empty. Probably, yeah.
0: It's it's just a it's just a black hole for sport. I don't know why it doesn't work there. It's hard to pinpoint why. Um, you know, you hear. You've heard people say, that, oh, they just need to market it better in the community and get people more involved with it. But I think if you can't get people interested in when the game's been played there since 1908 mm. and they can't get invested in it, I don't know. I just don't think it's possible.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the same sort of interest right now that the Roosters get and they should move too. Maybe they should <laughs> merge. Imagine that. That what would you call them though? The, the Sydney Titans. Call, <laughs> the Sydney You know, I've I, and I think I've said this to you before. I've always argued that you could start a brand new rugby league club, play them out of the Sydney Football Stadium, give them a generic logo, make them play in you know black and white or whatever, and they would get more fans than the Roosters would. Quite impossible, yeah. How about That's that crazy. crowd that the Roosters got on uh, at Gosford? Yeah, what was that? Was that 9,000, was it, or something? Oh, I feel like it was more than 9,000. Because that stadium holds about 20,000, right? Oh, yeah, it was 14,668. Yeah, yeah. It was It was one of the few times I've seen a a uh, crowd at Gosford and been like, wow, that's actually a really good crowd. It was a nice afternoon. Um, good day for Rugby League. They were playing an out-of-town team. Uh, very impressive crowd. I really, really thought it was fantastic. And I thought to myself, like... Surely playing on the at Gosford is a way better idea than playing at the s c g where the crowds are terrible um because they're roosters crowds, and you're like fifty miles away from the game yeah it's uh
0: it's not a bad venue, so I, yeah, North Sydney fans would argue that it's not that great a venue, well, you know it rained. <laughs> rain. Ah, uh, the rain. Who would have thought it was going to rain in winter? I know. You learn something new every day. Damn it, eh? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for the the yeah. coaching dramas, I believe. Was there anyone else that's
1: uh, any other coaches? Not that I can think of. I mean. Dean Powell is the only other one being talked about, but, yeah, yeah. That's, that's nonsense. It's, it should be, yeah. I think that that was pure paper talk, to be honest with you, um, which there's been a hell of a lot of just shit put out in the rugby league media just tossed up at the moment, I think. so. Yeah, there was um, actually,
0: a, you, you were saying before, there was a good quote which came from, um, was it Pete Bedell?
1: Yeah, he was saying that, that uh, Justin Holbrook had had helped St Helens avoid relegation. Which they have never, under his reign, be been anywhere close to being relegated. So I don't know what the fuck he was talking about. Well, but you know, at, at round one they were on zero points
0: before the game was played. Well, yeah, I guess. And by they, alph- and by alphabetical order, they would have been about
1: third last. I guess technically, <laughs> you're always fighting off relegation, aren't you? Like, you are, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Until about four games into the season they're undefeated You're like, yeah, we
0: can see where this is going
1: <laughs> But yeah, just com- completely clueless about the situation So I think that it's something that And I know we've got English listeners And I talked a little bit a bit about it on Twitter um, a few days ago Don't listen to any of their stuff coming out of Australia Because I think that it is it is silly it's real it's especially right now and over the last month it has been silly stuff in our media i don't know why but it's like they ran out of ideas of what to write about and so they're just tossing up bullshit and it's been really really like blatant so yeah i i i don't think i would be surprised if holbrook is even thought of the titans
0: uh, we'll we'll clarify this okay so Holbrook joined St. Helens in 2017. Okay. So in 2016, when they were fighting to avoid relegation, um, they were fourth. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. In a competition that had 12 teams. Bad season for Saints. They were fourth. (laughs) Uh, The year after, they finished sixth on the ladder. Mm Mm-hmm. Terrible. Last year, they were minor premiers, and they're currently on the top of the ladder this year. There you go. Help them
1: fight off relegation.
0: They've had <laughs> twenty twenty one wins from twenty three games this year. They are yeah. five five wins clear of second place. Well that's struggle street right there. Yeah. And uh so he's done a really, really good job. <laughs> so um in future Pete, you can just go to Rugby League Project, it's free and you can get your information there. It'll probably take you god close
1: to thirty five, forty seconds. Yeah, very very quickly. You know, you just go to Super League and then click on coaches on the left hand side, and the, you know what? The most up to date resource, way more up to date than the NRL, way more up to date than the International Rugby League Federation or whatever that letterhead they use these days. The number one statistical rugby league website in the entire universe.
0: And if you're uh, if you love it, there's a little orange button on the left side on every page. It says become a patron. Just go on there, click that link, and you can go and make a monthly donation. That would be because then it I'll be, really all the, would be if I raise enough on there I can do I can run that website full time, I can do these podcasts. I'll probably do them every three hours, whether freaky likes it or not.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you could and,
1: start employing me. That'd be great.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. See, people could just they could just tell me what they want and I'll 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 just I'll do whatever you want me to do. Yeah. You'll own, you will own me because <laughs> you'll be paying my wage. You'll own me. Exactly. <laughs> think of that. I'll come around and do the vacuuming for you.
1: Oh, jeez. <laughs> There's a line there. I'm not touching it. And I think yeah, you know where I'd go. Yeah, yeah don't but, go over. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, just one last thing I would love, love to talk about.
0: Yeah, mate.
1: We had Gavin Cooper, 300 games. Fantastic. We had Benji Marshall, three hundred games, maybe my favourite player ever. I love Benji Marshall, um, but and and a lot of people were bagging him. Cameron Smith. When I watched Cameron Smith playing his four hundredth game and do something that was so historic in Australian rugby league history, it felt it took me back to and it's something I haven't felt for a long time. It took me back to the nineteen ninety four Kangaroo tour when I was watching Malmeninga become the first player to play in four Kangaroo Tours, and it just felt so historic, and it felt like I was watching history being made in the game. He's the first player to do it, uh, and it was weird. I f- like, after the match, I felt emotional about it because it was just such a special moment in the game's history, and um, I watched the Cameron Smith uh, documentary afterwards, I yep. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was amazing. And I, I just I just wanted to talk about that a bit today because I I, I think that you can't praise him enough for making that four hundred game milestone. And we've talked about this a little bit. If you're gonna start a team from scratch tomorrow, who would you want to start it with? Even at his age right now, if Cameron Smith said to me, I will play three more years and then retire, he would still be the first player I would select. Yeah, absolutely.
0: He's uh, it's it's his now on the game. I remember having a conversation with you recently saying, um, you know, in fifty years time, people will still be talking about Cameron Smith. Mm. But if you go online to find a, you know, a video on his career history, mm. you know, highlights the stuff of his career you'll probably find about five minutes of footage yeah,
1: of, yeah. of
0: actual highlights because he doesn't do amazing things on field. What he does is control. Um, yeah. He regulates a game. He understands when things have got to be done. He's just, he just has a natural footballing instinct and brain. He knows how to use the players around him. He knows what their strengths and weaknesses are, and he knows how to use that. He knows where to find gaps. He just knows every little bit of detail that needs to be known in a game of football. Just the most
1: complete thinker the game's ever seen. Yeah, and just uh, like, I mean, and it's been said time and time again, it's like having a coach on the field and not just like an okay coach. Maybe, I mean, Cameron Smith, if he retired right now, you'd probably put him in the top five coaches in the game, like tomorrow. Um, An incredible football brain, a real leader of men. uh, And there are some players that just have a winning ability and he's one of them. And, and there's markers in history for players like that that just, for whatever reason, they're just winners. Um, it's just an outstanding, outstanding player. I was so happy for him. And yeah, I, I really did. I got emotional watching it because, you know, to see somebody break a milestone. I remember when, and it's not that long ago, when a player would play 300 games, you'd be like, holy moly, how did he do that? You know, how did he drag his body to that level where he could play 300 games? And a lot of 300-game players just made it. You know, they dragged themselves over the line at the end. Uh, Karen Smith looks fantastic. He doesn't look like he's missing anything in terms of, you know, his decision-making is the best in the game. His leadership is the best in the game. Um, when it comes to, down to the crunch moments in the game, he is the best. Uh, it, you know, he's the best hooker in the game. Still, he, I still consider him one of the top five players in the sport. Uh, I can't praise him high enough, and so yeah, it was it was amazing to see him get four hundred games. I yeah. I was I felt privileged to watch it. I also pumped out a really
0: unique stat about him, which hasn't mm-hmm. been covered anywhere, mm-hmm. and that was the number of games that he's missed in his career. Yep, five games due to injury. That's insane. He's a hooker. Yeah.
1: Five games due to being rested after origin. That's incredible. Three games due to suspension. That's incredible in itself just by how many tackles he makes.
0: Yeah. So 13 games. Well, it's actually only eight games have been due to injury or suspension Mm -hmm. that he's missed in his career. Five of being rested after origin. And 26 were due to him being picked in origin, so he didn't play the
1: week before a game. Wow. How about just the fact that, like, how many origin games has he played? Like... 42. 42? Ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. And the only reason he stopped was because he retired. Yeah, because he wanted to. Yeah. Uh, Ah, He's just... He's one of those players that it's hard to put into words uh, how good he is. And, like, I think it was Craig Bellamy, I think he, it was him that said this weekend, like, if he wants to play into his 40s, he's more than welcome to. I, I think the only thing that's going to stop Cameron Smith playing is if he just decides that if he moves into a, a different point in his life. Yeah. Um, they were talking in that documentary about how he is like the last one to leave the stadium just because he loves being in the change rooms and hanging around and they were joking about it, that they should just give him the keys and let him shut it up and turn the lights off and everything. So mm-hmm. he might not be one of those players that, that is looking to move into a different part of his life. But um, man, he, he's just, he's the best still. He's the best hooker.
0: Yeah. There's there's one thing I'd like him to do just for my OCD sake. Yeah. Is come back and play one more test for Australia and, <laughs> and win because he's currently sitting on forty nine Test wins.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't shock me if he did. Hey, if just, Australia needed a hooker and it was in Australia and someone and Mao just said, "Listen, Cam, make it make it fifty. Yeah, I think he'd do it. Just round it up to to fifty. Yeah, you know. yeah, and that,
0: that's forty nine Test wins from fifty six tests. Ah. <laughs> 87.5% oh, win record in Test Football.
1: Ridiculous! Holy crap! Um, oh, he's so good. He Like, he's one of the few players that, if he retires tomorrow and they say, is he immortal, what do you say? Well, yeah, it's a lock. There's, yeah, there's no here. there's no way you can take it off him. Yeah.
0: As like I said, the, there's, You've got to find but, that differentiation between him and the other really great players he's been around. And I'd I'd argue, do you put Thurston on the same level as Cameron Smith? And I don't know that you can because I can sit there and say, how many hookers can you actually name in Australia in the history of the game who would have stats and a history and a record that matches Smith's? And you say, none. How many halfbacks can say they've got the same, same or better with Thurston? you go, well, you know, you've got a few. Mm -hmm. And that's, for me, that's the difference between an Immortal and a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And I think the problem we're going to have moving forward is because so many people have seen the current players, but none of the past players, is they're going to think that everyone who's played the game from here on in, you know, if they've been a great for a few years, they're automatically going to be an Immortal. Mm -hmm. And And,
1: and there's going to be a differentiation there. We talked a little bit about it too, in that one of the weird things about, about uh, hookers over the last like pretty much forty years now is that we went from an era where when the modern day hookers come in and I 'm thinking Elias and Walters, um, they had really long good careers and then straight on the back of that was a Danny Badiris, and he had a really long and, and a fantastic career and w- remember he took that season off of Test football. And yeah. he was like, oh, I'm just resting this this season. And I understand he played a lot of football, never got his test jersey back because a guy called Cameron Smith took it and didn't give it up ever again. Um, and it's it's interesting that we go through, it's almost like these eras of they having these great hookers and we've been lucky enough to have that. And as you say, like, there's been nobody that gets close to what Cameron Smith has achieved and the numbers that he's now – putting out in terms of games played, games won, you know, the, the origins played, test played, tests won. It, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, I remember writing this as many years ago. This would have been when Cameron Smith was at the beginning of his career about uh, Ken Carney and the things that he achieved. And, look, I was only going on by what was in the history books and what was, what was said about him. But he was one of those people that just... Uh, winning come to him he was just one of those players that like no matter what he was doing it, he there was winning involved in it you know uh, and Cameron Smith is like miles ahead of what he was doing and yeah. so I the, consider Cameron Smith to be the best hooker of all time and it's not even a, a discussion.
0: I was going to say that's actually a really good comparison too because um, you know the Dragons had a lot of players come and go in those 11 years mm. And every time another one went, another great player came or went, or, you know, there's always this talk, oh, it may not be St. George's year anymore. They might start. They may not make the grand final this year. They still made it. And they had the same talk around the Melbourne Storm. And yeah. the one constant always was Ken Kearney. It was always Cameron Smith. They're still yeah. there. They're still yeah. successful. They're still leading the comp. They're still dominating the comp. Um, Yeah those two are stand out they're they are the top two hookers the game's ever seen and i yeah i am I'm, I'm going to struggle i
1: i can't put one ahead of the other because they just played in two completely different roles well and look but, and that's the era too it, it's it's yeah. as you said, the almost different positions like
0: that's Absolutely. how different
1: it is now um there's no uh, way the, I could put Cameron
0: Smith into 1950s football and say that he'd be as good as he is now. Just like I couldn't put Ken
1: Kearney into the game today and say he'd be just as good as well. 100%. Uh, but the thing that they have in common was that everyone talks about them as being a leader of men. Everyone talks about them as like they just success come to them. It was like a magnet to them. And there there was this, there was just something about the both of them and, and it's interesting to read about Kear, uh, Kearney in that era. He, he's one of those players, and you hardly ever hear his name brought up. It's really weird to me. But I've had him as the best hooker of all time. He's in my all-time team, which is a, it's a little bit out of date because there's a there's one or two changes I would make to it right now. But he was the, the hooker for me, and it was a pretty easy decision. Now it's Cameron Smith, and it's been Cameron Smith for quite some time. And uh, yeah, I so I loved watching him play that 400 game. It was a it was a moment I will cherish forever. Seeing Cameron Smith play his 400th game. Yeah, it's going
0: to be one of the things that
1: you know. A lot of people
0: say, "Oh, he's a cheat," and all sort of stuff, and they had all the grubby stuff. But at the end of the day, you look back and go, you know, you'll you'll say to the the grandchildren and the whatnot when you get older,
1: you're saying, "Yeah, well, I, I was I saw him play his 400th." Mm. Yeah. There'll be like four hundred. The players play till they're sixty now and they play a thousand games. What are you talking about, granddaugh? Yeah, well that's true. <laughs> they play fifteen games a week now. You mean they didn't even allow steroids back then? What the hell? <laughs> they had bones instead of carbon fiber? What? <laughs>
0: By then the game's gone to twelve aside, just like Buzz said. Yeah,
1: it's all it's all of the Buzz Rothfield, <laughs> like for all of them. In. <laughs>
0: At the age of eighty two, he he managed to become the uh, NRL CEO.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh, far out. Oh. That, that's a bad bit of future. Yeah, that's that that's the future that when Marty McFly goes back and, and Biff beef Tannen. Is basically, you know, he made all that money from stealing the almanac. <laughs> you know, but if if you've seen Back to the Future, two, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly. Uh well, there you go.
0: So yeah, we've uh, we've solved the coaching crisis. Yeah, put out our hands this.
1: up. Yep. Um. Yeah. Call us Titans. We're on Twitter. Yeah. Just DM one of us. Uh. Or okay. or just. You know, email us, podcast at leaguefreak.com. Just, you know, what would we take? I reckon we'd take 600 grand, 700 grand. Yeah. Yeah, that'd do.
0: Yeah, we'd be fine with that.
1: Yeah. um yeah, just before we
0: wrap up, we had any? have we had any uh, emails or anything like that or any interactions with us? No. Just checking. Okay, no. No.
1: <laughs> Come on. We, ha- we have a couple of emails that were for the live shows from Nadine. Yep. and Bartram 13 they That's were fine. from we'll about from about two weeks ago i would say yeah so we've then, only done so... three live shows since then so we might use them one day yeah then. we've only recorded 17 and a half hours worth of live shows since then so <laughs> Still um yeah and we've got something special coming up this weekend that we're not even going to tell you about just yet you'll have to listen to a, one of the 37 podcasts we put out before friday
0: Yes, and uh, I suppose should we do another live episode this week or not? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Why not? They seem to be good. Yeah, alright. We, we so. seem we seem to enjoy it. That's all that matters to us. We do <laughs> <laughs> alrighty, people. Well, thanks for
1: tuning in, and we will catch you again. I suppose tomorrow.